0: Hello and welcome to the TechTurk Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick.
1: The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical.
0: Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wool on us. Painting and taking on all the plates we pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Succinise and do their lives and make them fall. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt to grab a shovel and uh, first up, I did want to note that uh, we did, in fact, miss last week's podcast, uh, in part because I've been absolutely swamped uh, with a couple of different projects, and in part because um, two of the guests that I had lined up ending up having to reschedule. Uh, so we're left sort of without a podcast. Um, we will uh, try to keep the podcast going each week through the summer, but uh, I will note that these other projects that... Uh, we've been working on, uh, on which I'll have more to say later this year, uh, may keeping me kind of busy for the next month or so, and that might possibly mean that we'll have a few more skipped weeks over the course of the summer, but uh, hopefully we'll get back to a more normal schedule in the fall, or if we can, try and keep it up through the rest of the summer. But we'll see. Anyway, on to today's podcast topic. Uh, a couple weeks back, Senator Lindsey Graham had a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing uh, on the uh, somewhat Orwellian titled Protecting Innocence in a Digital World, uh, in which a group of panelists complained about all of the evils online and how it was corrupting our children and all that kind of stuff. Uh, It's become a sort of standard moral panic situation for Congress, for... Uh, Basically, every new generation of mass media, whether it's comic books or radio or television or various popular online services, sooner or later, someone is going to notice that not everyone uh, using those services is good and pure and wonderful, and Congress will get to grandstand on how it needs to protect the children. Of course, as in the past, this particular panel featured a whole bunch of anecdotes about bad stuff, but nothing in the way of actual data on how much bad stuff is actually happening or how it all really plays out. Um, There were a lot of scare stories and and the like. Uh, We're in a time right now where it's pretty clear that the narrative on tech and the Internet is in a very different place than where it was a few years ago. Uh, A lot more people are focusing in on the the wider impacts of tech on society, and that's actually probably a pretty good thing overall. Uh, Certainly for too long, there's probably been too little focus on the impacts of tech on society. Uh, But it does seem like once we've decided to focus on that problem, we seem to jump immediately into moral panic territory or Perhaps more accurately, you could call it technopanic, where the mere possibility, however slight, of something going bad is reason to condemn the technology entirely. And part of the problem is that, I think, we're not very good at judging the overall probabilities here. As a case in point, the obsession in the last week or so with the FaceApp app. Uh, You've probably heard or seen this if you've spent any time on social networks lately. This is the app that would let you take a selfie image and change it. And making you look much younger, uh, or as basically everyone I know seem to do, making you look much older, uh, and then posting it. Uh, alongside your original photo. Uh, However, soon after this went viral, people started pointing out that this particular app was developed by a Russian company and that its boilerplate terms of service, no different than nearly all other app terms of service, gave it perpetual rights to make use of your photos. And then there were suddenly articles suggesting that the whole thing was possibly a scam to train Russian facial recognition. And you even had Senator Chuck Schumer rushing out to call for an FTC in an FBI investigation, even though frankly, the terms of the service really were a little different than most such apps. To me, uh, there's a big question here about how we go about distinguishing reasonable concerns and discussions about the impact of technology from the more techno-panicky versions of these concerns. And here to discuss this and related questions is our own Lee Beeden, uh, who, in preparing for this podcast, uh, challenged me on uh, calling these issues moral panic. So, Lee, let's start there. Uh, why don't you think that this is necessarily representative of a moral panic. Uh,
1: well, and to be clear, I think it's mostly the uh, mostly the Face App thing that I didn't immediately leap to calling a moral sure. panic. I mean, I think protecting innocence in the digital age, congressional <laughs> hearing, is a pretty quintessential moral panic. And I guess that's the distinction I was drawing. To me, moral panic really does carry that overtone of like high-minded moralizing, uh, which is a bit. To me, a bit different in tone from, say, one of these social media freakouts that are, you know, they're rooted in more real concerns, as we've discussed, about privacy and data and stuff. They're not really what I would call a moral panic, though I, I agree they share some of the same patterns in how they unfold when it comes to just sort of randomly worrying about tech stuff.
0: I mean you know to to me the part of it is and again I sort of you know I sort of jump back and forth between like techno panic or tech panic and moral panic um but but to me they they do feel similar right in that it's it's sort of taking um you know a potentially bad uh situation um and sort of just just ballooning it up as if it's like this massive obvious problem that that is definitely going to happen and definitely must be stopped. Right. So it's sort of you know, there there is a possibility of all of these happen all of these things happening. The the things that people talk about as moral panics, there that is a, a possible thing. It might happen. There's no discussion of how likely it is or how serious it is if that does happen. Um but but there is like you can tell a scare story about these things and once you can tell that story, then all of a sudden you get all this, you know you know, whether it's moralizing or just, just you know, uh, uh, grandstanding about it and how it has to be stopped just in, in case of that that um, that bad thing happening, right? And to me, so I, I sort of see them as, as pretty similar and it's a pretty fine line in between
1: them. Yeah, I guess so. And maybe it's a pointless distinction we're making. I don't know. I <laughs> I still see it as meaningful because, you know, it's just to me that the point of a moral panic is that, it's, is that it's moral. It involves moralizing, which is to me is less so, you know, with the Russia thing. It's not... I I mean you can sort of call anything moral I guess but I mean it's not pe- people's tone about that isn't like this is so wrong and it's corrupting people it's just like this is a stupid thing to do and someone's taking advantage of you it feels different to me but I, but again maybe there's not a lot of point in this distinction I don't know Okay
0: all right so let's uh, move on to, Yeah <laughs> <laughs> So so uh, you know and, and this is the the larger point that I want to get at which is you know, I, I think it's reasonable to to you know think through the the impacts of these things on society, or to think through the impact of you know what you're doing or who you're trusting with your data. Um, and so, I'm I'm completely cool with the idea that we should be thinking through you know who's getting access to this data for like the, for example the FaceApp data and what might they be doing with it. That's those are good questions to to ask. I also think that like. The idea that suddenly the FTC and the FBI needs to investigate it seems a little bit overblown, um, and so what do you think? You know, how how do you how do we distinguish? How do we set up ground rules to get people to to take take some of these issues seriously, but not blow them out of proportion?
1: Yeah, it, it's tough. I, I guess part of it is and this is something I think we've always tried to do with this, is trying to, you know, walk things back and and repeatedly give people more of a grounding in how a lot of this technology works to begin with. Because that's, I think, some of the root of the problem, and this taps into so many things we've talked about, but especially when it comes to conversations about data and privacy and stuff online, people don't really understand how the internet works or even what it is, a lot of people, you know? And so when people talk about ideas of, like, you know, going online without sharing any data, it's like, well, that's not... That, that's like not a statement that even has any meaning right like the internet's a network into which you put data maybe right. that data is just a request for a website but like it's it's it but it you know betrays a fundamental misunderstanding of what's even going on i think there was that thing i tweeted a while ago where i said there is no you on the internet there's just your data whatever that might be right, right? like so the idea that and, you and, can have any even, of these interactions without you know, it is I, is nonsensical
0: yeah and and even that is questionable, right like like your data, what does your data even mean right i mean there's an argument and and i 've seen this made it was just that you know if if your data is is produced by you know an online service, you know how do you distinguish what is your data versus their data versus you know some other thing you know the the data right, there is, is just data yeah right <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and, and so yeah. you know you're already getting into the question of ownership and i'd written something not too long ago about the problems of of thinking about. Uh, you know, privacy as a property, right? Like there is this big movement now to, to sort of add it to as a as another form of intellectual property, for example. Um, and I think that would be really, you know, really problematic. Um, and yet it seems to be one that a lot of people are gravitating to in part because we have some frameworks for thinking about property rights. Um, but as, as we've spent, you know, 20 years discussing, there are all sorts of problems with how we... Um, you know how we propertize, i don't even know if that's the right word—but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> turn, turn, you know, turn digital concepts into property. It seems to lead to a lot of downstream consequences that we don't—we don't tend to think about very carefully.
1: Yeah, of course. And I mean, it It would be an insane way to try to handle it. But it gets complicated, because like we do, you know, and, and we talk from our end about the importance of control over data and what data right. you share and stuff. And then that being a part of any real solution to this. And when you start talking about it that way, it, it's it can be Starts to get subtle to distinguish why what we're saying is different in a way from property. But but yeah, I mean, the idea of continuing with things as is and letting all data, you know, flow out there and put and upload, you know, having all these services run as privately owned companies with stores of all of their user data all being stored on their server farms and stuff the idea of just continuing with that being the way things work but then imposing a legal regime on top of that to call (laughs) that is is madness you know um the obviously and and i hate that i mean we do this a lot and turn anything we talk about back into our protocols not platforms concept or and our other related concepts to that but you know the solution has to at least in part be technological And, and yeah it has to start with a clearer understanding of you know it, it is hard to articulate, but yeah, data is not property and it's not, but once you share it on the internet, the idea of still calling it yours is is a little complicated, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think all of these things are complicated. I mean, part of it is, is that, um, you know, I think we, we automatically, and it, it's sort of human nature that we sort of try and, um, you know, push these ideas into a framework that we recognize, right? Um, And that's a lot of what is happening here. Right. And so even things like like what was brought up at the at the Lindsey Graham hearing, the Judiciary Committee hearing, um, where people talked about examples that are that did happen in some cases, you know, where where, um, you know, younger people ended up coming across offensive content online or. Um, were messaged in ways that, that were potentially concerning, um, you know, it's easy to sort of, you know, you try and put that into a framework of in the real world, um, this would be a problem for a variety of reasons. And therefore, you know, we have to treat it the same way. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, it's sort of tricky to figure out how do you how do you compare the the, the different situations I I, I'm. I'm sort of struggling with this as you know as I'm rambling
1: yeah no I know I I mean I mean look as as a baseline I don't think I don't think these congressional hearings are helping anything right now yeah (laughs) or that these senators who you know I don't I don't think remember what decade it is half the time are (laughs) properly are the proper people to be digging into this question um well, well, I, no, well I
0: but, but let me let me pause though for a second because like, you know, in, in theory this is the the job of of Congress, right? I mean, in theory it, it is their job to if there is some sort of nefarious thing out there that is causing all sorts of problems um that they should be the ones to sort of investigate and figure out if there needs to be regulations right so so I, like i yeah
1: no of course i mean this this kind of goes back to where you know they need a congressional technology office sure. again right because it's of yeah. course of course it is their role but uh it's you know watch one of those hearings and tell me <laughs> anything, you know like <laughs> yeah i
0: mean that that's right that's the the reality here and and also you know We know the sort of intent here, right? The intent was never to actually solve any problems. The intent was very much to just sort of beat up on on technology companies because they're an easy target right now, for better or for worse. I mean, there are good reasons to to question what is happening with these platforms and and what they're doing. But this, I, I would argue pretty strongly that, that this particular hearing and a variety of other hearings that have been had recently were not good faith efforts to actually investigate the impact of these technologies on society. They're very much about, you know, sort of beating up on a punching bag and, and, yes. and hopefully getting some yeah. headlines.
1: And, and look, in, in the big picture, I might even be more optimistic about Congress or regulators role in that than you are. But there's certainly I think we both see there's no reason for optimism right now in this <laughs> moment with anything that's going on on that front.
0: Yeah. So, so, but I guess what I'm sort of trying to figure out and sort of trying to think through for myself is like, is there, is there a framework, right? Is there, is there a way, is there a prism in which we can, you know, put these ideas through to, to say like, how do we, how do we judge them in a, in an intellectually honest way, not, not a sort of grandstanding, um, you know, manner that is being done? Is there a way to, to think about these things in part, in order to deal with the actual problems that may, May very well be there and um, and may not be but but you know to to determine what is real and then also in part to have a way to sort of respond to to the grandstanding and the moral or technopanic situations that are going to occur no matter what
1: yeah um so I, so one thing that I think about sometimes and it's not like I have this fully fleshed out into a framework but maybe it's the starting point of how to think about one is you know stopping talking so much about the internet as an entity as weird as that sounds Right. like because it, it that you know that has always been a, a in its way and an ambiguous and an amorphous thing right it's the the internet as a concept is composed of a whole bunch of different uh parts and aspects right um and what that refers to and frankly you know it's it's become such a part of the world for so long that uh it doesn't you know just because two things happen on the internet doesn't necessarily mean they're connected always right so yeah so i don't know if, if part of a starting point about this when it comes to the privacy issue or or some of the you know sort of moral issues or the content moderation or anything is is some of it is you know Stopping acting like this is all one big thing. And that comes down to how we talk about individual interactions with some of these companies and stuff. You know, I mean, you're you're having a you're interacting in different ways with different companies and different services. It's not necessarily all part of just what the Internet is or represents or does. Right. I, I mean, I don't you know, that, that's the thing with like the face app thing. Right. I, I don't you know. Uh, again yes people just see the language like that that's the core of this right you see the lawyerly language in a terms of service that does sound incredibly broad and sweeping if you've never seen it before and you have this gut reaction of like that's insane without realizing that it's in every internet service you've ever used and half the other things you ever did i mean it was you know even if you like even before the internet i'm pretty sure if i like colored in a page from a coloring book for a magazine contest as a little kid. There was a similar waiver to some degree on the submission form, right? Like Yeah.
0: The lawyers sort of, you know, covering their asses. And and, you know, to be honest, I hadn't looked that closely at, at the FaceApp one, but I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to find that it was more or less copy and pasted from some other, you know, apps, terms of service, because that happens all the time.
1: Yeah, though, I mean, the thing is, and I don't personally use FaceApp, but I don't think, you know, I just, I see everything being shared on Facebook and Twitter. Like it, it is, you can raise a question as to why Facebook needs some of the, or I'm sorry, FaceApp needs some of this uh, perpetual license stuff. that So sure. that a, a social media company that is going to be indefinitely hosting your content for you does need that, right? And that's part of the, you know, silliness of copyright law as well. Just, you know, that even basic sort of functionality of a service like that would technically violate copyright law, even, even if right. it was all doing stuff you wanted it to do with your content. <laughs> um, yeah. But there is, I think, more question as to why exactly FaceApp needs that. But but then in the broader sense, I mean, it's not that I think it's a good situation that the way things work is that we upload all of our data to a dozen different social media companies and right. give them all perpetual licenses and waivers over it, right? Uh, but again, like the solution, the only possible solution seems technological, right?
0: It, well, I mean, the only workable solution, yes, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that there's, you know, people could certainly make an argument that, that you could pass laws having to, to to deal with this. So I don't know how well those would work or sort of what they would do. And, and you know, you would have a sort of a patchwork of different laws around different countries, um, you know, some more interesting than others. But um, but yes, if, if you want to have a situation that was more... Um, where the end user had a lot more control and say over how their data was used, it does seem like this is ripe for a technological solution rather than a sort of regulatory solution.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, like, you know, for what I was saying about the way we talk about things and maybe, and, and, you know, the internet is one thing, but yeah, it's, uh, I guess sometimes it's about putting into words what's really happening. So people think more for better or for worse, whether that makes them decide the services need to change or that they don't want to use the services or that they're okay with it, you know, is talking about what's really happening, right? When people say things like, you know, Facebook did such and such with my foot, with my photo, that's like a way we would default to phrasing it when the reality is, you know, as we were saying, like even the concept of my data, if you were to phrase that in sort of brutally, uh, simplistic and materialistic terms. It's like I sent all the data describing a photo to this server and told it to please share that around and and make copies of that data on the machines Mind. of all the people I know. And then this other thing happened with it. A copy of it ended <laughs> up in this place, right? Like, right? And that's a very different thing when you think about it that way. Or, you know, I think about a friend of mine who his band... Uh, I saw him post something about how his band's album is being downloaded from some website before it's even released. And I said, did someone leak the album? And he said, no, we did like a one-day promo where we streamed it for a day as a pre-release thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, then you can't really call it unreleased, right? Like, I mean, you can, you can have an official release date and call that the release date and have a party, but it was released the day you put it on a machine whose only purpose is to spread copies of it around the world. Right. Right. Like, and then told people to go get a copy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and when you, when you start thinking about things in those terms of what's really going on, I'm not saying that immediately gives you a solution, but it does inform us more in the conversation for people to make decisions, not just about what they think these services owe them or should do, but make better decisions about what they do, about just how they think about this stuff. Right.
0: Yeah, I I think so. Um but but it's still like I mean there are a few different elements to this also, right? So, you know, and one that I think we should get at is like there is this idea a lot of this discussion in general is is somewhat paternalistic, right? Um because, you know, there is an argument out there that um, you know, with all these different services, the fact that people are just jumping up and willing to use them is a suggestion that, that they don't really care about the privacy issues. Um, that's one argument. I, I, I partially buy that. I think that that's some of it. Um, but um, at the same time, you know, I think that there are different ways of looking at it and it's it, – you know, it gets back to the argument I always make is about trade-offs, right? And people don't sort of know how to value the different trade-offs. And so, you know, to sign up for something like a face app, you are saying right now in the immediate short term, the benefit for me is joining in with sort of the the social crowd right now and posting these kinds of fun, amusing photos that are getting attention and people are talking about it and you sort of, it is a, a, a sort of, you know, it's a social activity right now, right? It's a community mm-hmm. activity. Um, the risk of doing so is, yeah, you know, uh, well, for most people, they don't even think about any risk, right? They think the downside is, is basically nil. For some people, if you think about more, you say like, well, you know, these russians might have my photos <laughs> um you know and how serious is that and and so but it's it's difficult to sort of to to calculate kind of long-term risk versus short-term fun and convenience, right? So I think a lot of people will sign up for stuff because it's it's sort of, you know, it's fun and convenient in the short term and everybody's doing it um, without taking into account long-term risk. And, and you could argue that that is the same sort of issue that happens in lots of other non-online contexts, right? I mean, going out and getting drunk with a bunch of friends is partly the same sort of, you know, calculus, right? Uh, friends are having some sort of social gathering and they're they're having alcohol and, and it's fun and you want to be a part of it and join in the social activity. Um, you may not be taking into account, I mean, even how you're going to feel the next morning, right? You know, the sort of right, longer term right. consequences of it. Um, and so, you know, I'm sort of trying to think about like, are there better ways to get people to, to think about these things in in you know, to, to take a sort of longer term view on some things. And and we haven't necessarily been able to do that in in, in offline situations for the most part. Uh.
1: Yeah. And I mean, look, like like you, or maybe even less so than you, like I'm only partly find the sort of people care less about privacy argument interesting, right? Because, uh, you know, there's the question of, there's privacy as in how much do people want to share about themselves or their life? And then there's privacy in the sense of it's being their choice still to do so. Right. And right. I think maybe, so maybe people's standards on the former have changed. Most people I don't think have shifted on the latter. Um, right. I think they still, they still feel betrayed when things, you know, when they see their privacy as having been violated without their consent. Right. Sure. Um. But, but again, even, even that, like, define that right i mean like well i
0: mean that's part of the and part of the issue is like your privacy has been you know uh invaded or or you know whenever you know the latest scandal breaks of like you know whoever facebook leaking data or um you know equifax or whatever you know it's like it still feels kind of amorphous like
1: but mm-hmm. that's, that's what I think has more to do with it, is that's because it's abstract, and that's the same thing with sort of being vaguely aware you're giving FaceApp access to all your data. I mean, that's the abstraction thing. I'm not sure that indicates people care less, right? It's just it's always sure. harder to care about things that are more abstracted. And I think I think, you know, most of those people, if some specific breach of privacy specifically impacted them, they would suddenly care a lot, you know, and, sure. that's, you know, that's another human foible, right? It's hard for But so it is the same thing as what you're saying. But as far as the long term consequences, I, I don't know. I mean, is it? Is it just short term or long term? I guess there's also a, a side versus side thing, right? Like, and that's where maybe, Part of what made the face app one pop up and get unique is you know the fact that it involves a Russian company which is of course its whole own right. you want to court, it's, its whole own type of panic I don't know moral panic or whatever but uh, right right it's you know to, to whatever degree it's founded or not founded it's clearly an easy way to make everyone's ears perk up and and treat something as maybe more serious than it is um, right. by just mentioning Russia. And so I think that fact, because so that highlights the other side of it, right? Is like maybe the individual risk to any one person is low, but then suddenly people feel like they're benefiting, you know, on the other end where they're aggregating all of this huge amount of data, people who may potentially be bad actors in some other way that doesn't even directly impact you are benefiting from it, right? I mean, I find the reason I've never used a lot of those Facebook things, not even out of a specific fear that a bad actor is going to use my data in some bad way to accomplish something bad just out of a sort of general irritated spite because I know what's going on. <laughs> you know, like I click on a link on Facebook to, you know, say something about a photo or whatever, and it goes, you know, do you give us permission to access everything ever in your Facebook? That just annoys me. I'm not going right. to say yes just out of general irritation that they would do that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I'm probably the same way, but and I but... think
1: that comes partly from understanding how not necessary that stuff is to it, being familiar and used to an internet and a world of computing from before that was the norm of how everything operated. But you know, there, there's just some of that is just context and perspective on you know what these tools we own are and what they're capable of and how they can work and how they yeah. do work and why that is, you know?
0: Well, can, can I make an argument and, and this sort of just occurred to me and it, and maybe it doesn't make sense as I, as I say it out loud into being recorded and <laughs> we'll then go out to everybody listening to this. But, you know, there's an argument that the, that the, um, the backlash, I guess, to face app and the idea that it's, you know, Russians potentially collecting all this data whether or not you know you think that's accurate or, or good or bad um just the the fact that suddenly people were bringing that up and there was this kind of backlash to it you could almost argue that that is a good response to previous situations where data was shared in a way that people felt was unfair, right? So, you know, part of the reason why I think people sort of freaked out about it, again, legitimately or not legitimately, was because they still remember very clearly kind of what happened with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and the ability of Cambridge Analytica to get all this data out of people, you know, taking a fun quiz or whatever, uh, however that actually ended up working. And so people have that sort of in the, the back of their mind so that when they see something, even if there isn't sort of a... A very clearly laid out harm from this particular firm getting your selfie photos. Um, people are saying, "Well, we should at least think about who we're giving access to our data to and how it might be used down the road." And people sort of remember that. Yes, you know there was this problem, so we should be a little bit more cautious. And so you could argue that the the backlash to FaceApp, whether it's a techno panic moral panic or, or or something else entirely is actually this you know small element of of media literacy that people are beginning to to think through whether or not these are are legitimate. I don't know uh, how much the backlash actually had an impact in terms of people whether or not they agreed to install and use the app, um, but there is an argument that maybe maybe that's a good way of looking at things.
1: Yeah, I mean, totally anecdotally, when I sur- just searched Twitter to see sort of what people were saying about face ba- FaceApp, there's still far, far more people just using and sharing their FaceApp sure. photos than there are talking about you sure. know any issues with it. And I did find, in addition to what you're saying about there, there is some sense, and that was the first thing I said about it too, is that I, in some ways I find it more understandable than other than some past panics like this, right? Yeah. Over over this specific thing of like the overreaching TOS or whatever. Um, and and then a you know counterpoint to that I I noticed that it seemed like the articles and the analysis and the commentators pointing out that this isn't so unique and comparing it to other services uh, came quicker than they did after say the Pinterest right. uh, panic you know because people have learned their lesson and to some degree uh, so yeah I think that indicates positive media literacy for sure I, that's like the the only thing that's you know not the only thing, but the main thing that connects this to all the other ones is that specific thing, you know, where it's just people see that legal language they're not familiar with and it freaks them out so much.
0: Right. And and just in case people don't remember, do you want to just quickly go over the Pinterest thing? I mean, it was basically they had a terms of service that made the same sort of, um, you know, perpetual license. Um, I forget the exact details of what their license was, but it's all the same sort of boilerplate that you see everywhere. Um, and And people sort of freaked out even though, again, it was the same sort of language that you see everywhere and didn't actually mean that they were going to go sell your photos and and, and whatnot. But people, you know, just reading the very broad language kind of freaked out about it right
1: yeah and and look the re- the reality is it legally does allow them to go sell your photos if they right. want to it's just not what's going to happen or what their intention is but i mean it's not invalid to point that out but but i think you know that it connects into to just most people not understanding much about copyright law as we know right you know right. And so people are baffled that this incredibly sweeping uh you know sweeping license that uses grand language about you know and you know because they generally they always include this like in any conceivable future medium and all this stuff that sounds it sounds crazy to people that that like that sounds like somewhat overreaching but it's like no that's just like kind of what you need to do to cover your ass from crazy copyright (laughs) law right yes uh so that that's a part of the problem specifically when it comes to that one and that's where you know we need people to understand more how broken that side of thing is right.
0: It all comes back to copyright law <laughs>
1: as always um,
0: yeah yeah no i i i'm i'm i i think it's it is an interesting example the sort of the whole face app thing um and you know it's probably i feel like just like the app itself is probably gonna fade out uh, as most viral kind of things do um that the the sort of hype and and backlash to it is also just gonna fade out um but you know I still do wonder about about this sort of eagerness by by some to you know to completely freak out about some new technology based on the the mere possibility that it might be used in a in a negative way um you know, and, and um, you know, we've seen this in other contexts, too, where people talk about the idea that, like, maybe, um, you know, maybe tech needs, like, you know, some sort of government review board that that certifies it. You know, it's the it's sort of uh, FDA for new technologies. And I sort of fear that, you know, if we get too much into the moral panics, that's where we end up, that that someone says, you know, all, any new technology like this first has to be reviewed to make sure that it's, it, you know, has no harmful properties effectively. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Which, which, again, obviously is unmanageable. and like, yeah, Stifle I mean, it's, everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and I guess, again, that like kind of, that kind of taps back into what I was saying about like, at least when, you know, when the opportunity is there, finding other ways to talk about and categorize this stuff than just tech or the internet. Right. Because, you know, this is this is about, you know, interactions you have with various companies and other people and and where you send your data and what you do with, you know, various things. So, I mean, sometimes there are other ways to talk about it that I that I hope, you know, averts us from thinking of it that way than, you know, from just being like, oh, well, we need to review all new tech as if as if a new non-internet product could not be equally harmful uh, for right. some reason that doesn't get reviewed, right? Like, you know, if we're talking about social harms from the way people use them rather than immediate safety concerns in the terms of the things we already regulate.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the counterpoint to that though, the the thing that I would push back on and I, you know, it's an interesting idea of like, you know, separating out the internet versus not. Um, but the, the counter argument I think to that is that, if you just talk about interactions among people, then it's more natural to default to to an analogy um situation where you're you're, you know, analogizing something that does happen in real life that might not be accurately depicted when you're talking about, you know, infinitely right. copyable data.
1: Right. Yeah, yes. I yeah. That's you're absolutely right. Like, even when I say that, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's more about categorizing everything together, just because they all involve that. But that part is still absolutely critical. And that's what breaks so much of the conversation and every right. attempt to analogize a hey, we, you know, so, so yes, absolutely need to be aware of, you know, the the fundamental nature of the internet and of data i mean that's you know i say it all the time and it frustrates me that people don't think of it that way that like the only thing the internet can do is copy data from one place to another right that's literally it's only function right um and every other function derives from that but then but then on the flip side in other contexts like now there are so many things for which we use that fundamental function um that play so many different roles in our lives and in the world and in a million different things that it's not always useful to lump them all together
0: yeah yeah. Well, and then the other thing, just to sort of close out this conversation, I mean, in trying to think through these things, you know, there's always going to be some people who are going to grandstand against whatever is new, right? I mean, that's just, again, another part of human nature, a different mm-hmm. side of human nature. Um, and that's not going to go away. So I guess, you know, part of what what I'm also thinking, thinking about is, like, is there um, – you know to have to have a a legitimate non crazy discussion about the the real issues and the the real questions that are raised about the impact of these technologies on society is there a way to have that conversation that the conversation itself is not automatically abused by those who um who who want to attack technology for you know intellectually dishonest reasons um and so, so let me let me let me add a little bit more while you think about yeah. that. You know, and and so I, mean, I guess you know part of the the argument is like I've been thinking a lot lately about you know the I think it would be good and important for the tech industry in particular to to take a more serious look at these issues and to have a real honest and open discussion about. The impact that they're having on society, um, because I think these are really big and important questions, and and there should be this this discussion in some form or another. But at the same time, I worry that merely having the discussion enables those who are just trying to destroy, you know, internet companies or technology or or, or different things to just sort of latch onto that and and attack. So I'm trying to think like, are there ways to have these conversations in a good you know, nuanced, intellectually honest way that hopefully can deal with the the societal problems that that they do create, and they do create problems here and there. Um, without it, just enabling the kind of grandstanding that I'm concerned about
1: yeah I don't know, because I, I know what you mean, like when the yeah. you know inevitably, if the companies try to talk about any of this, they are you know excoriated from a bunch of sides, and they are mocked by a lot of people, and, and it's not always undeserved. I mean, they also sure. have a history of giving extremely tone- deaf responses yes. <laughs> and things to these things too, on many occasions, right so so I mean, it, it's hard because you can't, you can't entirely denigrate the mockery of their attempts to engage with stuff because it sure. has been a played a major role in guiding them to somewhere where they're at least a little better at engaging with these ideas than they used to be, right? Yep. So so it's hard it's hard to say. Um but I don't know. I guess I I keep, you know, I just keep coming back to, I don't know why the hell you would want to be, have so much control over so much data (laughs) and speech to begin with. Right. Right. And that I think these companies could still be massively successful and massively profitable if they began relinquishing some of their control over how all of these systems work. And if they began doing the stuff we talk about, about, you know, opening up their systems, building protocols, opening up APIs, uh, getting rid of or stopping using anti-circumvention provisions um i think doing stuff like that you know what it, it, it's nothing's going to magically convince the, the people who will mock them for everything um or who will you know grandstand at them for everything to stop but uh i do think that if they want to people to start interacting with their technology differently and they want to just do something that would be the direction I'd like to see them move in. Right. I mean, it's the same sort of, you know, what Cory Doctorow talks about a lot. I think it's a starting point to crack open a bunch of these issues. It's not going to change things overnight. And when they announce it, they're still going to get mocked by a bunch of people saying, what the hell is this going to do? Right. But slowly, if we actually start moving things in that direction, people might start coming to understand it.
0: Yeah. No, I think, I think that's, that's a fair statement. I mean, there is an argument in, in that sense that like, the worse things get for the tech companies, the more more willing they'll eventually be to recognize, like maybe they're in a better position if they give up control. Um, yeah, which I'm not sure I fully agree with. I would like it. I mean, th- look, this has been an argument that I've made for a really long time. Like, the world would be a much better place if like everyone were enlightened. <laughs> but you know, it's right? It's but kind that's of a tough. useless starting right. point. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's um, tough to get there. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, I think that you know, I, I can still hope. That, that companies themselves will begin to recognize that, you know, they actually can solve a bunch of the the issues that they're facing if they they are more open and they're willing to sort of open open themselves up and and give up some of the control that they seem to think is necessary.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, there is such an insane instinct to control, um, you know, yeah. predating the internet in, in all sorts of fields, but yep. it's especially noticeable on the internet. I mean, you know, I. It infuriates me that there is such a thing as like private podcast platforms. Like yes. <laughs> even just to take this down to a smaller level than you know than Facebook or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like these things are utterly infuriating to me, and uh, you know there's no easy way to make them stop. But if some of these tech industry leaders in and these gigantic companies are really serious about, you know, wanting to at least change the discussion. I, I, it's the only way I can think of to start, right? And then on the other side, if you want to talk about what the role of Congress or regulators or thing, things are there, I mean, I'm, there's lots of ideas for potential tech regulation that I'm open to and that I think might be worthy of discussion. But as we've discussed before, there's also a lot of stuff you could fix or get rid of first, and like I'm not—it's not even from like a deregulatory angle, but like you know, kill yeah, kill the anti-circumvention provision of the DMCA, right. and you would start changing the way a lot of these things work. You know, it'll take time for these changes to grow and flourish, and it'll take more than just that. But
0: yeah, yeah, um, you know, I I think there's a bunch of things, but it doesn't—it doesn't seem like anyone's taking a real interest in that. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. of course it, I know. There's but... there's there's a lot of interest in how do we create sort of entirely new regulatory regimes, not looking at the old regulatory regimes and how they may have contributed to the situation being the way it is. Yeah, and Um,
1: and maybe it's about merging those conversations. Because again, I'm not opposed to new regulatory regimes, but I don't, you know, think many, I, I think, you know, At best, we have some starting points for how that might work. Uh, Certainly, no one's fleshed out what that would actually look like without it starting to become what sounds to me like a bit of a disaster very quickly. Yeah. Uh, But uh, but maybe part of it is merging those conversations too, right? Like, I mean, you know, and just talking about well, you know, what's the point of regulating what they can and can't do exactly, you know, what they must or must not make their technology able to do when there's still like this insane law that lets them sue anyone who modifies their technology to work the way they want it to. Right. Right. Uh, you know, and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And the, I mean, there are interesting approaches. I mean, you mentioned Cory Doctorow and, and, you know, he recently made a, a pretty interesting suggestion. I thought that, um, you know, one way to sort of create more aligned incentives um, especially as there's increasing attempts to to use antitrust law against these companies, is to effectively argue that um, you know opening up your platform as a protocol of some sort, you know, making it at the very least interoperable in some way that allows other services to to jump in and, and make use of or do something is a defense against an antitrust claim. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But then he's also gone further and called for, you know, mandated interoperability and mandated APIs and stuff, which I, you know, I is, that's one of the regulatory ideas I'm more interested in exploring, right? There are Mm -hmm. obviously still the dangers there of creating a a barrier to entry for new services and technologies. Although on the flip side, I think you could also, uh, I also wonder if that's entirely true because to be honest, new Newer people building newer things are the ones more likely to be already making use of, like, an open ecosystem in a bunch of ways and are more likely to immediately benefit and possibly already on their own be, you know, including APIs or... you know so i don't know i don't know how huge again it uh, the devil would be in the details obviously and of how interoperability and stuff was defined but i think there might be a way to define that that doesn't unduly disadvantage uh smaller entrants because in in a way they're the ones who benefit the most from that happening all across the board both in their own projects and others right
0: right yeah no i I think there are interesting ways to approach it um but right now that's that doesn't seem to be the 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 mainstream discussion at the very least
1: no though if if part of it is you know there is a zeal to impose some sort of control or regulation then uh, you know one possible angle to think about is yes trying to shift some of that zeal and that understanding onto regulating something like that that would i think have a more profound effect on the ecosystem than just breaking up these companies
0: yeah yeah no i think that's that is uh, absolutely true all right um do you have any final thoughts, or should we just close it off there?
1: Yeah, I think we've been I think we've been sufficiently vague about most of these <laughs> ideas already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, but, but but no, no. I think that. I think we had we uh, tapped into this to a few good ideas there. But uh, yeah, yeah,
0: and and you know, this is an interesting thing. We're we're living in an interesting time where there are a lot of. Legitimate questions being raised about these services and how they operate and what impact they have, um, and I think it is important to think about those and discuss those. At the same time, there's this layer of, you know, in some cases entirely crazy arguments about all of this, um, and and so you know what I'm getting at, as a whole, is like trying to separate out those things and understand mm-hmm. how do you how how do you do that and how do you lead to a, um, you know, good outcomes without it being clouded by, you know, people just you know, in some cases, completely overreacting to things. Um, and so, you know, uh, if there was an easy answer for that, well, that would be nice, but there probably isn't.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, it, it is only because of these services that the overreactions are able to take shape the way they do to yeah. begin with. So true. You know, that's another complicating layer to it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah. How much of these discussions are are taking place on the very platforms that um that are are being questioned so anyways uh lee thanks for taking the time and having this interesting discussion it's something that as you know very well i've been thinking about a lot i know you've been thinking about it and we've been talking about it not on a podcast and so this time we decided to have it on the podcast and i'm sure these discussions will continue and maybe we'll do a few more on the podcast and we can bring in some other folks as well as they, they continue to go um but uh for everyone listening. Thanks very much for, for listening. And, um, we will probably be back next week. As I said, uh, we're a little busy, uh, for the next couple months, probably. Um, but we'll try and keep the podcast going. Uh, if we're not, we'll be back soon after anyways, and we'll get back on a more regular schedule soon. Uh, but thanks again and we'll be back. Bye. All right. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get a and think the If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt.